popcorn's got his popcorn bucket of babies. He's ready to go. And we are live. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Realm Walkers, an Age of Sigmar podcast. I am your one of your hosts, Gregory, and this is my co-host. Yo, yo, it's Carlin. All right, so today we are starting on book two of the uh, Realm Gate Wars. So for those who uh, don't remember... In the last book, we saw the introduction of the Stormcast and uh, them kind of, you know, kicking Chaos's ass a little bit, just sort of showing up and deciding, well, you know what, Age of Chaos, that's pretty cool, but what if we had the Age of Sigmar instead? <laughs> and so the Realm Gate Wars are uh, starting now. Mm-hmm. So we are moving into uh, book two. Mm-hmm. And so, so we have, uh, so how have you been doing, Carlin, in the last little bit? uh doing all right you know it's been busy with school like last week and then i'm done my program yeah so. i think uh, me and carlin just both got done our school <laughs> the last couple of days i literally just wrote an exam a couple hours earlier and i'm running one more this coming saturday oh, so when this episode goes live it'll be basically a week since i wrote my last exam Fingers just remember everybody carlin is um wasting his time on uh, Age of Sigmar lore when he could be studying for his very important exams. Not wasting time. <laughs> That's fair. None of our time is wasted on Age of Sigmar. Yeah, same same with me. Just been doing a lot of schoolwork. Finally sitting down. Getting some time in for the hobbying, which leads right into what have you been hobbying lately, Carlin? Well, I finished Gaz. Finally finished Gaz. Yes, the Gaz is done. We've been seeing like the severed limbs of Gaz slowly get painted for the last like two months and finally he's been assembled i think it might have even been longer than that it's been a little while but yeah (laughs) no he's well not only finished assembled he's fully painted uh he's varnished he's looking fantastic and i'm starting to work on cursed city models now so oh yes carlin got his hand on a copy of cursed city yep (laughs) was a lucky few apparently (laughs) we'll we'll leave it at that because i got opinions um (laughs) as for me uh, I okay, so I've been um, I got really excited about that Lord Croak, so I've been painting up and starting a small Seraphin army. Uh, mm-hmm. By small, I mean I bought one start collecting box, which is uh, the dinosaurs are painted, but the the Seraphon themselves are not. And I have purchased the uh, Broken Realms uh, with the big three dinos, so those should actually be arriving today at some point. So. Nice. Uh, gonna get those painted up. That's gonna be uh, preoccupying my time for a little bit. It's a good value box, and you know, dinos are awesome. That's why it sold out immediately. I got <laughs> to have them make two stegodons and the laser dinosaur. <laughs> All right, yeah. But uh, the, the first sort of attempt to really use an airbrush. I've nice. had some uh, issues with my hose, but otherwise, I think it's all coming along really nicely. Yeah, and I'll kind of add to that. I'm starting to get more into airbrushing now. Like, I've had one for a while, but I've never had a regulator on mine. So because mm-hmm. of that, I was always trying to judge the pressure just by feeling the air. 
But now having the regulator, I honestly find it's a game changer. So I'm able to pinpoint exactly what pressure I'm at. And yeah. it's easier for me to judge, okay, the consistency of the uh, paint when I put it in. So that way mm-hmm. I've been able to actually do very fine lines, which has been awesome. It's like, ooh, a whole narrow avenue. Yeah, I, I when I started with the paintbrush, I was trying to do like my own paint mixing. And, and at some point I said, they, I'm not getting this consistency right. I'm just going to buy the pre-mixed stuff from, from GW. And I'm actually quite pleased with it. Except, surprisingly enough, it's very liquidy and it spills like null oil. And now I have to buy another bottle of the fucking blue. Ugh. It helps swing it in droppers, my friend. I know, but then I'd spill it putting in the droppers. Not the only thing that I've funnel. noticed... <laughs> the only thing that I've noticed about the uh, airbrushing is that it is very easy to wipe away. So there's a lot of like sharp edges on the dinos and uh, I had to keep reapplying in like small patches, like where the, where the, where the tips came out of the points came out, which was very annoying. But once I got the uh, top coat on there, the um, like the, the sealer, it's, it's fine. Yeah, you basically like if you don't want to wipe away way right away, you need to let it set for a while. That or you can hit it with some uh, sealer like varnish or anything. Yeah, like, just a simple matte one to help it layer down. But I found yeah. like generally speaking, after doing a couple base coats, I'll let it sit for a couple hours, and it usually helps. Mm-hmm. Generally speaking, I'll let it sit for two hours maybe after the base coats with airbrushing, and then I go from there. Obviously, yeah. longer the better, but I'm sometimes very impatient. <laughs> but Fair yeah enough. you've seen the pictures of my um i want to call it the vargle but i think it's the vargeist now from curse city yeah. oh and yeah and other than the most recent pictures all the pictures i've posted thus far in our chat has been just purely airbrushed so i've been mm-hmm. really happy how i've come with it because i got a lot of very fine details oh yeah that's actually one of the it's one of the specific reasons that i bought the dinosaurs was a, they seemed like a very cool opportunity to practice airbrushing oh, on 100 and you can definitely do some really nice transitions with their scales and shells and all that so exactly yeah like i was really happy with my my carnosaur that once once it all came out yeah but, i've uh, definitely we... <laughs> used my airbrush for big bottles before and had great results but i really want to get better at doing finer details and smaller models of it so yeah, exactly. i'm happy having this avenue now <laughs> yeah so like i'm really excited to be doing that more um, but uh, I feel if we continue to talk about airbrushing, we're going to be here all day just talking about airbrushing. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. Well, that's so, what we're here to talk about. Yes. Today we are talking, uh, covering Born of the Storm, the second book in the Realmgate Wars. Now, this format's going to be a little bit different than we normally do. So normally, we all kind of come into this um, with with knowledge of the books that we are going to be talking about. However, obviously... With, uh, with school, it was very difficult for us to dedicate any extra time. Now, Carlin has already read this book, and so he is going to be covering the plot synopsis, and then I will be sort of giving my opinions and reactions to what occurs as we go through. Yeah, and like the other difference, I've been saying this every episode this far, but our third co-host has been going through a lot of stuff in his life right now, so... Prayers, thoughts, good wishes, all that. Can you send that to Bryce? I'm sure he'll yep. appreciate it. He's been just having the rough time of everything. Give thoughts and prayers, but let us move into this story. And I am now going to hand over control of the podcast. Uh, as 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 loathed as I am to share the filthy scaven <laughs> player that I am, uh, I will hand over this, the power to Carlin to begin the story. 
Perfect. Well, before I begin, you know how it's usually my uh, tradition to crack open a cold one as we start recording and all that? That is correct. Every time. Well, normally we record in evenings, and in the evenings, no problem. But it's the middle of the afternoon. Way too early for a cold one. So instead, I'm going to open up a bottle of scotch. Yeah, exactly. Much more appropriate for an early day. Yeah, you, you can't drink beer early in the day. That's that's you know, uncivilized. But scotch, now that's what the fancy people drink. Absolutely. Got myself a bottle of Avalor single malt, double cask, uh, matured whiskey. Good stuff. Give me a second while I enjoy that. Allow me to pop open my... Here we go. That's my bag of chips, Lay's barbecue. <laughs> uh, so you're going to make me uh, have fun muting every crunch. No, I've just eaten one and then I'm done. <laughs> oh, I was about to say, are you going to be an absolute dick to your editor? <laughs> um, I'd considered it for a minute there and I'm like, is the taste of delicious, delicious barbecue chips worth it? Almost, almost. But then I'd have to hear about it. And then I, I mean couldn't this... enjoy the barbecue chips. I mean this in the most <laughs> loving way, but fuck you, Greg. <laughs> I know. Right, That's what well, a lot of people say to me, just like my mom. <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm sure your mom is very much wishing that she didn't uh, get birth to you once in a while. I wished the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, we're, we're going to some dark places. Okay, let's Don't talk about, about other it. dark places and go into the realm of Akshi, which isn't actually all that dark since it's the realm of fire. So for all those who don't know or catching up for the first time, these books are based in different realms. The, this is a direct sequel to the first book, The Gates of Azir. So we're following the same hero we did there. So I haven't listened to our episode on Gates of Azir. Go stop this episode now. Listen to that. Come back. You'll get all the contacts you need. Mm-hmm. Cool. You back? You've done that? Listened? Fantastic. I know. And for that one of you that didn't, I know. I know you didn't do it. Greg sees all. I do. It's through the warp stone he chews on. Don't, or the lazy you, you don't chew warp stone. <laughs> there is many methods to get warp stone into your body and through your mouth is not one of them. <laughs> there are scaven that crunch on warp stone. <laughs> Nerds. All right. So yeah, Born of the Storm. So the book starts with Vandis, our hero from the previous book, talking, or actually not talking, even before that, it starts with him being reforged. And this is huge because he didn't die in the previous book. He talks about his pain. And that every time this has happened, he has lost something. So it makes very clear. It's not the first time Bandis has been reforged. And talks about the kind of thing that we've been really open too much about the Stormcast is that whenever they die and Sigmar reforges them, a bit of their humanity, a bit of their personality, something is gone. But then we cut back cut back to basically right after the events of the first book and Vandis and Ionis all the characters from war before are hunting down the blood reavers and other bloodbound that were retreating after the de- defeated call so they're marching through the area defeating all the different uh, foreign bloodbound around the round gate and as the night falls uh, the stormcast make camp on the top of the hill Vandis and Ionis kind of walk away from the camp and start chatting about essentially what's going to happen going forward. Ionis mentions that he's going to one of the eight brass towers since this is what Sigmar commanded him to do. Vandis, though, has realized that he can't ignore his visions, which they mentioned in the previous book a bit, of a red pyramid of skulls, also of his own demise. He sees this severed head in his visions. But he can't ignore this, so he and Ionis are going to split up even though Ionis really doesn't want Vandis to go, since as far as he 
realizes Vandis is marching towards his own demise. And Vandis and him don't really know if this is something that Vandis could come back from. Will he be reforged? It's something they don't know because there's so much mystery. So they're still new as Stormcast. All said and done. But after their chat, Vandis kind of basically says, you know, in the end, us Stormcast, we are death. He puts on his helmet and basically raises up his hammer and cheers to all the Stormcast around, rallying them. Also terrifying the bloodletters at the bottom of the hill that they're on, and they charge down and basically slaughter them all. You know, good heroes and catching them off guard. I mean, like, what were the bloodletters going to do? They had the high ground. We know that that always <laughs> wins. We had the high ground. <laughs> I mean, I'm just happy that Vandis is back. I like him. He's pretty cool. He is pretty cool. And I mean, I also, I do like that they sort of set up the issues with the reforging process. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. I found that to be like one of the more interesting like aspects to the Stormcast because it does kind of give them like reasons to be afraid because they, you know, they don't want to lose themselves. Like what's, what's great. What's the the benefit of eternal life if every single time you come back, you're just a little bit less you. And at some point you're just sort of a mindless automaton. Or in the 40k universe, Necron, essentially. I was going to say the Thousand Suns, but like, I mean... You know more about 40k than I do, so... I mean, the Thousand Suns are basically just souls in armor, which I figured was very similar to what's kind of occurring with the with the Stormcast. Yeah, well, Stormcast have bodies underneath the armor. Like, they have, like, so... Yeah, oh, no, I, I, yeah, I know they have bodies, but, um, you know, if you reforge to the point where there's nothing left of who you are... You're, you're more or less just a mindless automata whose only goal is to fight for Sigmar. That's fair. So that's kind of what I was comparing it to. And the Thousand Suns are very similar to that in that they, their souls are just sort of trapped in their their power armor and they're just, they just enact the will of who's ever controlling them at the time. That's fair. It's a pretty horrible fate. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, continuing on. Uh, so the, the next day, Vandis and his troops separate from Ionis. And as they're traveling, they come across sorry, what is called the Valitus Ridge. As they approach this ridge, a fog starts rising up around them. And the fog seems to be moving in almost as they describe it, insidious fashion. And it smelled heavily of sulfur. Vandis then tells his troops to get into defensive formation and to move forward slowly, you know, watching her up. But as they're doing this, operations start forming around them. And... Vandis continues telling the troops, uh, continues to rally the troops of his chance, but these apparitions are taking forms of women and children, potentially the relatives of warriors uh, from their past lives. Mm-hmm. The spirits would whisper things like, Help us. Help us. Vandis even saw his own wife and sons. But as he basically, you know, stood his ground and be like, I will not fall for this, the spirits suddenly become aggressive and in a way, start attacking the resolve of the Stormcast. Some of the Stormcast would fall to their knees or actually even run off and chase the images of their families. Hmm. In this moment, though, the stench of blood fills the air and Vandis right away knows that Korn's bloodbound are charging through. Through the fog, uh, charge these blood reavers at the Stormcast. Uh, Vandis tries to rally his warriors, but as he's doing this, a Korkrath starts charging in. Remember them from the previous books, big, huge, hulking beasts. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and he literally starts breaking down the uh, Stormcast defense lines. It literally actually bites off a Stormcast head and swallows it. So, a shocking dinner. Ooh, I get, wouldn't it then immediately, like, get a giant bolt of lightning through the head? 
Possibly, you know, sometimes ways that Stormcast die, it really depends, because like, it's the soul in the body, it's the soul in the head, because, yeah. Plus, you know, there's all this fog going on, so who knows. Mm -hmm. But the Korgoth's still alive, because Vandis charges at it. His Draconeth, uh, Palinax, starts breathing lightning at it, and Vandis, you know, swings his hammer, and yada yada. But once he kills the Korgoth, kind of realizes that this was a huge mistake, because now he's separated from his warriors. Like, it's all surrounded in fog, so his warriors can't really see him. And you can see, like, some of his warriors are fighting in, like, small warbands. Some were fighting on their own. He tries to get control of the, the warriors, you know, stop them from being slaughtered. And then, through the fog, you know, even more shit starts happening. He starts to hear chanting. And basically, from the fog comes bloodletters, which are corn demons, for all of us who don't know. Greg, I know you're a demon fanatic. You probably I know. <laughs> I do know. <laughs> yeah. Demons <laughs> um, eight of the bloodletters start surrounding Vandis, and you know, eight is a number that's actually going to appear a couple more times in this book, given that's the number of corn. Maybe corn should have stopped trying to stick to his aesthetic and just send more guys. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so eight of them attack Vandis. He manages to defend himself, though one of the bloodletters actually managed to stab uh, through his armor and into his side. But as he defeats those bloodletters, more chanting is heard, and more uh, blooders start charging in. I think Porn listened to you there, Greg, and just sent even more. Exactly. Because he's like, ah, I send eight. Eight will be enough. Oh, shit. Eight wasn't enough. Uh, send more. Don't worry about it. Send more. It would have been thematically cool, but I'd rather him be dead. <laughs> uh, so Vandis is retreating, you know, not seeing anyone around, and suddenly a force of storm liberators surround him, set the shield wall. And basically to defend Vandis and for themselves. And he looks at the Liberator Prime who is leading this group and is like, how would you find me through the fog? Like, how would you do this? Uh, the Liberator Prime, his name is Kanthos. Mm -hmm. And Kanthos uh, says that Vandis' armor uh, shined and acted as a beacon to them. Vandis kind of looks down at his armor and is like, whoa. And he realizes it's glowing. The glow is diminishing, but it had been basically be beaming light and he didn't realize and he realized this was an intervention of Sigmar. Sigmar was doing what he could to protect Vandis. So, you know, they start defending themselves, but it doesn't seem like the Tide, Blood Letters, and the other Bloodbound uh, warriors is, you know, coming to an end anytime soon. Mm -hmm. But from the sky, suddenly a group of prosecutors uh, fly in and join Vandis in the fight. There's this named prosecutor. Um, his name is Kyrus, and he took over the lead of the group when their actual leader uh, died in the previous battle, uh, in the previous book. And basically, he tells Vandis that they had flown in and saw that the fog was following Vandis and his prosecutors, keeping them essentially trapped in the center of it. Mm -hmm. And so clearly that this is something being controlled by Korn, and that wasn't too obvious before. And so Vandis orders the prosecutors to fly up and push away the storm. Kairos and the other prosecutors did just that. They flew up and basically started beating their wings in a heavy way to uh, create a tempest that forced away the fog. Literally the Patrick solution. What if we just take the storm and push it somewhere else? Pretty much. <laughs> Patrick's such a genius. He is a, he's got a good plan there. <laughs> it's just, yep. And basically, as soon as the fog was lifted, Vandis could see his warriors that are in the different groups and everything and everything else going on in battle and basically tells him to break rank and attack because he sees that oh there isn't actually that many anymore especially because the essentially people chanting something blood others are like 
And they're at suddenly at a disadvantage because they could be seen. Bandis targets a chieftain and attacks the guy, trapping him under his Mount uh, Canalax's foot. And in that moment, he starts feeling this rage that basically he wants to just kill this guy. He wants to beat this guy to a living pulp. He wants to do everything rageful in that moment. Everything suddenly Quarren's followers want to do. He beats down the rage, takes control of himself before he does anything, kind of showing Bandis's own level of self-control. But this was kind of a last attempt from the chieftain kind of to get the essence of Quarren and hopefully to win in battle by you know, turning the Stormcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Vandis interrogates Skull Lord, asking him if Corgus Call is still alive, and if so, where was he? The Skull Lord tells him that, yeah, he is alive, and that he'll be waiting at the Red Pyramid for Vandis. At which point, Canalax rips his head off and swallows it. <laughs> yeah, as you do. Uh, the battle withered away and came to a close. Stormcast won, obviously. And Vandis starts going the forces and crossing a ridge. As it came to like a peak of it, he saw what originally, or in that moment, was a welcome sight. He saw in the distance a group of Stormcast being led by a Lord Celestin that he knew was named Jactos. And these were hunting down the Blood Tide stragglers, those who were running away from the gate and those who had run away from the ridge. But he sees that, you know, they're the group almost seems overconfident and they're just fighting away and they seem like okay cool we got these they don't see a giant force of bloodbound flanking them from behind so vandis right away is like no we need to make haste and they start charging it now we switch perspectives for a minute uh we switch over to jackdos guy i was just telling you about and he's fighting with his warriors he's oblivious to what is coming he fought on with the arrogance of yeah we're gonna win so much glory in the name of sigmar i'm gonna be no he thinks we're so cool. Look at my cool golden armor and my being invincible, basically. Yeah, this is totally going to get me a promotion. I might be at Sigmar's right-hand side. I'm going to get such a salary boost. Just really the kind of people Sigmar was looking for. Glory seekers when he was like, I need heroes and assholes only. <laughs> the bigger a jock you are, the better you are for Sigmar. You know, if you take a whole bunch of steroids, you are our man. Lightning, it's a hell of a drug. Yeah. But yeah, he push, as he's pushing forward, he suddenly comes across a slope that he couldn't see before uh, through the Warriors of Corn. At the bottom of the slope, he sees Stormcast all across impaled at, on these spikes. He begins to try rallying his troops, but they're hit by a charging force bloodbound from behind. In fact, uh, one of his warriors starts trying to rally people with him and is suddenly hit by a whole bunch of thrown axes. So, you know, great fate. I mean, <laughs> wasn't expecting that one, buddy. Oop, I didn't see that one coming. Oopsie doopsie. Oops. And basically, yeah, him and his troops started faltering. They start getting slaughtered and sur- as they're surrounded by a bloodbound. And yeah, his face starts diminishing completely. He thinks, oh crap, I failed. I, you know, dishonored Sigmar completely. But then he sees Vandis and his warriors charging down from the ridge. He begins to cheer up. Vandis, Vandis, Vandis. With his warriors as they battle with new resolve, seeing... The crap, we're being helped by these people. Uh, Vandis yells out for Jack to hold fast as him and his warriors slam into the forces of corn. At this point, the book takes almost a little breather because it doesn't actually tell us what happens in this battle for once. Uh, just that it was very swift. And we see Vandis scolding Jackdos since Jackdos uh, overreached, blind by Thonic Glory, and missed all the corn that came and surrounded them. Mm. Like, dude, you done fucked up. <laughs> Oops. 
Uh, and as this is happening, there's a little cry from where the spikes are. And one of Jackdos' Lord Celestins was trying to heal injured Stormcast there, but found kind of a horrific sight. So one of the warriors was impaled, but still alive. The metal in the spike was refusing to let this Stormcast named Ariad die. In fact, it was refusing to even let him go. And basically, like, through some force of corn every time the Lord Blessing tried to pull him off and heal him, it, nothing would happen. I mean, that's, the, that's, that's the thing, is, like, corn suddenly like, ah, oh, shit. If they die, they just come back. So I gotta somehow not kill them, because when they die, their blood goes away, and I can't get their skulls. Pretty so much. <laughs> yeah, these uh, tendrils are splitting from the spike and worming into Iriad. Iriad just kind of looked at Jackdos and basically was like, it burns, my lord. Jackdos takes his blade, uh, basically, to end Iriad's life, and Iriad basically grabs his hand and is like, I don't know what's going to happen. Like, if you kill me, what will happen to me? Jackdos kind of just decides to make the mercy move anyways and kills uh, Iriad. And in a flash of lightning, Iriad's body is carried away, but Jackdos starts having a panic attack. It's like, well, what is this fate? for us. Is this going to happen to all of us? If I die, will I be taken back to Sigmar? What happens to me when I'm taken back to the Anvil? And Vandis kind of puts his hand on Dracto's shoulder and calms him. It's like, dude, Sigmar will take care of us. His words. You know, totally a surfer boy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> don't worry, bro. Don't worry, bro. Sigmar's got us. We're going to go back. We're going to have some whey protein. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, Vandis uh, tells Dracto's where he's going, essentially, that he's going to find Corvus Call and battle him at the Red Pyramid. Jackdos uh, and his warriors join Vandis, hoping to restore their honor with defeating Call. We switch perspectives yet again in the book, and we switch to Call, and he's surrounded by other corn lords and chieftains. Basically, they're all kind of looking at him, licking their lips, and you know, have their weapons at ready, clearly wanting to take leadership away from Call. You know, especially because Call had losses huge battle just before and they don't think that he deserves leadership anymore no not exactly a good sign when you lose from the people that only care about strength exactly so they attack call but even though he's outnumbered this is corpse call and basically kills them all and you know he decides to have a victory feast and grabs one of the chieftains and starts film doing what his corn does and fighting in but as he's doing this, he sees this demonic hound join in, and he sees Grizzlemaw, Ma, his hound from the uh, previous book, join in on the feast. But Grizzlemaw kind of stops for a moment and looks at Call and is like, hmm, do I want to try attacking him? Because Grizzlemaw is this huge hound. It isn't just like, you know, a simple dog. Think of like, I'm trying to think of a really good example, a Rottweiler, but times 10 in size. No, this big, huge beast. And. Call in that moment grabs the back of Grizzlemaw's neck and lifts him off the ground, you know, telling the hounds like, no, you're mine. You're not going to attack me. You're going to do what I want. And Call travels north with him basically him talking to himself and saying, I will take your skull, Vendel Blackfist, and then I will ascend. We kind of cut forward a bit and Call has reached his destination. Basically, it's clear that he has a lair close to this red pyramid. And it, as he looks towards the Red Pyramid, he looks at this, basically this big demonic looking realm gate in front of the pyramid. 
this brown gate is called the Gate of Wrath. It is made of bones, uh, blood, you know, all things corn-like. And clearly, the gate is a gate to the round corn. And corn warriors surround the gate, beating drums, dancing, cannibalizing each other as they're moving, standing, and dancing. And it's all a giant ritual of corn. I'm just kind of imagining, you know, one guy's dancing, puts his hand up a little high, then puts his hand down, and it's like, oh, there's a stump there. And he sees his buddy next to him, like, I'm just imagining Corn going like, what are you dancing for? That's not my jam. Just kill each other already and get the Skull Pyramid going. Come on. Well, the Skull Pyramid is there. It's just Yeah, but you could have a bigger Skull Pyramid if you use the skulls <laughs> of the dancing people. <laughs> yeah. Um, this isn't complicated. As Call is moving forward, he he's able to see the eight brass towers all in the distance. So... And we know one of the brass towers, Ionis, was going to attack because Sigmar had ordered it. And they clear that the gate of wrath was in the center of this expanse. But Corvus thought paying a little bit more attention to the ritualistic gathering. And he saw something that was a little wrong. The main feast of the Bloodbound wasn't of their enemies or random tribespeople, but rather Call's own followers that had run off. This just enrages Call. And he goes with Grizzlemalt and slaughters everyone there, yelling about how this was a red dawn. And literally is that, because when the slaughter is finished, the sun is rising up and there is blood misted in the air. Paul kind of looks around and he sees that because of all the people he killed, it is a giant lake of blood around him. And a horn kind of rises at the lake and the blood letter arose. Blood letter looked at Paul and was like, are you the one who summoned us? Paul's like, yes. Flutter looks at him, looks at all bodies around, and is like, well, then we'll do what you ask. And these blood letters start rising out of the lake. Uh, Mass of force of them. Some are riding on blood crushers, which are kind of like big, huge, uh, demonic, uh, bull-like beasts. Yeah, the, the, I think those are the the big uh, boars we talked about in the corn video. Yeah, I think so. And Paul, uh, they ask him, uh, who are we going to kill? Paul tells him, to kill Vendel Blackfist's forces, but to keep Vendel alive, and remember this is Vandis, and to bring him to Call, because Call wants to chop off his head and use his skull to finish the Red Pyramid. Gotta get like a good, like it's like a good wedding topper, you know. Like if you're gonna if you're gonna be a demon, you gotta put something special on the top. It can't just be anyone's skull. Yeah, you know, it needs to be the matrizal cherry of topping off the pipe pyramid. <laughs> now, for those for those of us who understand how Stormcast work, this plan is already doomed to fail because he's going to kill Vandal and then he's going to dip back to his ear, so there won't be any skull. I'm assuming there's going to be some uh, divine corn intervention in that moment. You know, this is a red pyramid. I'm assuming it's a giant uh, beacon of corn's power. Yeah, that's fair. But he better have a better plan than I'm just going to take his skull because presently <laughs> this plan fails. I mean, it's fine. Corn are not known for their brains and planning. No, they might. there might be some smarter ones among them, but generally speaking, they get too much in a rage and start charging at things. Exactly. Punch is good. Think is dumb. Use that to zinch. But let's continue the story because we could joke about this not-so-brilliant move for a while. All we need to end on is... Nurgle is truly the smartest of all the Chaos Gods. And just vibe it. Don't even worry about it. Exactly. <laughs> all right. So we change perspectives yet again, and we go to Ionis. Now kind of catching up with him after he had separated from Vendel. 
and he is coming up across the brass tower that he was sent to fight. And they're kind of, you know, marching through this ravine with lava all around. And, you know, they've been attacked constantly. They're, they've been dealing with Korgorath. They've been dealing with a whole bunch of forces, but they fought through. They're continuing on. And they start kind of going through this, what looks like a forest, but all these trees are cut down. And basically it looks like there's this red sap kind of oozing from like a whole bird poured into the top of them. And so they're traveling forward, you know, getting a little closer to the tower, getting ready to defend themselves. They feel like something is wrong, but they cannot delay. They have to keep on going. And kind of cut away for a brief moment to the brass tower. And we cut to another character from the previous book, Skullbrand, the uh, Bloods Crater, I believe it was. Uh, the yes, guy with the giant banner. He sees the Stormcast coming and is like, just kind of whispers to Korn. Or whispers to himself, to them. It's not necessarily clear who he's talking to, other than, you know, maybe himself because he's crazy and blood uh, thirst. And it says, mm-hmm. You have come for blood, and you shall have it. Let's get ready to rumble! It's our boy! Yeah, so the Stormcats get closer to the tower, and all of a sudden, they hear whole, or not even here, everything starts kind of shaking the ground around them. And Ionis realizes the cut down trees, they were a trap. Because the trees themselves, they you know weren't just cut down trees with weird red sap, they were in fact vents. The ground starts breaking down below the Stormcast, and they start dropping into this boiling blood lake. Very uh, corn-inspired heat. Yeah, I mean, corn has got a very simple aesthetic. He's not hard to spot. Yeah, pretty much. And, like, all this blood starts erupting around them. These paladins were basically hit by the splashes of this boiling blood that melts down their armor, kills them right away. You know, bad day for the Stormcast. And, of course, they start being attacked by the Blood Reavers from the tower. And they start defending themselves, trying to do what they can to beat off all this as they're being uh, killed by the splashing blood, killed by the rising lava, and everything else. And it kind of cuts to Anara Stormcast briefly, kind of talking about how he's starting to be overwhelmed by this rage and this bloodthirst, his anger and guilt from battles before, and he's just doing what he can to fight. But it's very clear him and other Stormcasts around him are losing control of themselves. And yeah, so the Stormcasts are fighting, they're doing what they can, defending themselves as, you know, they're dying in droves. But Ionis catches sight of the Blood's Crater, and it's like, oh, oh shit. And uh, Threx Skullbrand, he charges forward with his banner in hand. Uh, Ionis is like, shoot him down! kind of think of the opening scene to Jurassic Park and it's like shoot her shoot her and said shoot him kill him Galbrand kind of leaps in the air and smashes his banner into the ground and you know all things start going wrong because the realm of corn starts arising all around them from the banner something once again we've seen in a previous book so I really like how they keep everything consistent yeah no that, that we, we make like they've got an aesthetic joke of bunch but like you know what it's nice like i like everything staying kind of consistent so we understand what's going to happen yeah and ionis uh, tells his remaining units to close ranks to catch up on their defenses and everything 
and all of a sudden, like from the realm corn all around, they start being charged by bloodletters and the bloodletters on the giant beasties, which name I'm starting forgetting. Greg, you're a demon guy. What are the giant bull things called again? Oh, shit. The blood crushers, I believe. Yes, blood crushers. Thank you. The, the, the combination is the juggernauts, which you got a guy on it, I believe. But yeah, they're the yeah. blood crushers, I think. Problem is, yeah. it's all blood something or skull something. So, like, <laughs> it's, it's so hard to keep track of. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, they start charging the forces, and Ionis like, everyone defend yourselves and everything. And something strange happens to Ionis. He suddenly feels like he's being pulled away. Everything around him starts to freeze. And basically his mind is wrenched away from the fight. And he opens his eyes and he sees that he's in a long stone hallway. And clearly he's in a vision of some kind. But he just sees the stone hallway, he sees rotting wood, he sees bones and dirt kind of all around. Kind of just realizes that he is in the realm of Shaiish. For those who don't know, Shaiish is the realm of death. And he starts yelling out, Why am I here? Someone, answer me! And he hears his voice. The voice just says, A tithe is owed. A tithe shall be given. A soul for a soul. And Ionis starts kind of like, Why am I here? Bring me back. And he starts hearing the voice once more. You defied me once before. Ionid Vendest. And Ionis is like, been a long time since I was known as Ionid Vendest. And I just hears laughter and the voice yet again. A tithe is owed. A tithe shall be given. Soul or a soul. The gash is really trying to be ominous right now, but we all know you a chump, buddy. You can't just pretend, ooh, I'm super scared. We know what you did. You know what you are. The gash, you're our homeboy. Don't take life too seriously. Look, it's not... You have to have fuck Nagash as, like the free space on the podcast bingo like it's the middle space because it's gonna come up even if we're not talking about a fuck the gash yeah then ionis starts hearing this cries of a woman and this woman was his wife in his previous life and he's like please you promised me that you would keep her that we would be reunited in death with internal life comes eternal pain you should not have defied me ionis i remember everything i remember the days of shattered bone he kind of like on his knees trying to get up again because he's feeling his strength come back and he's like trying to defy this and he just keeps on hearing a tithe is owed, a tithe shall be given, soul for a soul. And Ionis is like, release me! Slams down his staff and in a great flash, she is back into battle. Smell blood and everything else. Basically the world's kind of slow around him and picking up pace and you know, he's then uh, battling off and he's like, wait, where are the demons? Where'd they go? But in that moment, it's just because his own brain was taking a second to catch up and the blood crushers hit their force. And Ionis is like, okay, we need to do something. And he's like, you know, telling his forces to hold them, reform, you know, get together, you know, rally together, fight them off, yada yada. And Ionis suddenly comes together with a plan, tells his uh, people to get together, and he shouts out to Sigmar because he's failing. And as he's crying at the Sigmar, all of a sudden lightning starts uh, flashing around. And lightning uh, hits the tower, the brass squeals, and starts leaning and falling towards the chasm that's formed with all the blood around it. And all the retributors kind of see this and they fought on uh, through the enemies because in this moment, the brass tower is falling. Suddenly weakness must be hitting the force of corn. 
So yeah, the tower starts falling, and the realm of corn starts failing around them. The blood crushers all of a sudden fit, fade it in the air. Blood reavers are like, oh shit. And the stormcasts are like, oh yeah. And they start beating down the blood reavers who are there. Ionis is basically going, attack! So on and so forth. There are still some demons there, but they are dissolving slowly. That or they're hit by hammers and dissolved in a flash of blood. Many of the mortal followers of corn fled, running off, going, uh, pulling out worth it, dude. Which, of course, corn is, is, is known for his uh, accepting of the tactical retreat. Uh, I'm sure Very much. Well. He's like, oh, no, it's fine. Don't worry about it, guys. You'll get to the business meeting and be like, so I, I see you took a tactical retreat. We got to talk. <laughs> we got to talk. Uh, you're allowed to retreat. Just make sure it's in the other direction. Uh, towards them, in fact. <laughs> and yeah, a couple hours have passed and to beat back everyone. I was just looking around for the body of Skullbrand, but could not find no sign of him. So, you know, probably doing that corn trick of, I was never there. La 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 la. <laughs> Running away with the tail between her legs. So be it. They have battled off everyone. They've taken the tower. They're like, okay, what do we do now? And Ionis realizes we probably go face uh, or find Vendel because, sorry, not Vendel, Vandis. Getting his names mixed up. Same guy, but you yeah. know, different names. Stormcast name, pre life, uh, pre Stormcast name. There's like a joke uh, in the community that many of our people probably know about that Games Workshop is cursed to reuse names. Yeah. Uh, like at least twice for every name. So, like, the fact that there were similar names that get us mixed up is perfectly in line with that. But yeah, Ionis is like, yeah, we need to go to Vandis because if this is what was waiting for us, and with Vandis' visions, we need to get there because we don't know what he's going to be facing. And so they move forward to go find Vandis and help him defeat Corvus Call. And now we go back to the perspective of Vandis. Uh, Vandis and Jackos have separated at this point because Vandis' plan is, okay, you know, they flanked you, bad things happen, how about we flank them? You know, thinking, okay, cool, we're going to each uh, attack Corvus Call forces from each side this way we can guarantee we can get them and hopefully we can find a hole in their defenses but he is worried about jacktoes because as we discovered jacktoes overreaches and he had purposely made sure one leaders goes with jacktoes to keep him from overreaching but he's not sure that this will stop him from doing that then we switch again to paul paul was seated on his throne right basically at the I think close to the foot of the red pyramid and he has orc skull that he basically just finished peeling the skin from uh, seeing as what more or less you know they came across some orcs they killed them and he's got the skull of the orc but he could use the skull on the red pyramid but he's like no I'm not gonna dishonor corn by doing this orcs they're nothing in the grand scheme of everything yeah, just, just good, like, mid-range. Yeah. And Call is, like, seething a bit, like, enraged while he's skinning the orc's skull because he knew that the Blood Crushers had failed their attack. I'm assuming, because they don't necessarily say why, because we don't see the Blood Crushers ever attacking Vandis, that when the tower got knocked down, the powers of Corn got weakened. And so that... Um, like, instead of attacking Vandis, they were attacking there, you know, trying to defend a tower. So it isn't very clear what happens here. Just, they failed and he's angry. Yeah. Yeah, the usual thing. 
Of course. And we switch characters yet again. This, for anyone listening, the book is kind of going at a very fast pace now, jumping around from character to character. So bear with us. Um, but yeah, we switch to Jactos as he is going through, kind of planning to attack the Red Pyramid and uh, everything from behind. They're traveling through this misty area, and the mist isn't just mist, it's blood, because of course it is. And they're going through, and they start seeing statues of bloodthirsters. And, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, Greg, but no bloodthirsters, they're the big, huge demons of corn. Oh, yeah, they're the greater demons. They're they're not to, to be best with. Yep. And Jack just is like, you know, guys, pull your ground, we're moving forward, our quarry is near. And all of a sudden, they start hearing uh, the yelling and screaming of uh, different, uh, not bloodthirsters, um, human guys, the bloodbound. Uh, and they start charging at them, and they're like, cool. They do have some defenses after all, because at this point, they've been unattacked. And they start defending themselves. We switch to Vandis. Vandis uh, and his crew are kind of, I would say, attacking from the more front end of the pyramid area. And, of course, they're fighting through forces left, right, and center. Uh, they're killing off the demons and humans and droves. You know, it's basically a massacre of the corn forces, because this is Vandis and his Stormcast. They're awesome and strong and all that fun stuff. And so they're going towards the Red Pyramid, and so is Jackdose from the other end. They're both getting closer. Vendus sees that Jackdose is actually getting very near, because he sees the activity of his forces coming from the other end. And yeah, so they're going forward and trying to get to the Red Pyramid. I dare say Vandis probably being slightly arrogant and wanting to get to the Red Pyramid first before Jackdose. No, there's definitely no arrogance there with Vandis. No, definitely uh, beacon not. Of, beacon of humility and piety is he. Yeah. But yeah, Jackdose and his warriors, so we switch to their perspective again. They're fighting off. They're getting deeper and deeper into Hall's area, getting closer and closer to the Red Pyramid. He's losing sight of his warriors, his various different leaders of his forces. But, you know, he's just fighting. He's feeling great. They're being attacked by Korgrass, but they're killing them. So he, he's starting to get, you know, back to his old self of being fairly arrogant. And as he's going forward, he sees this big, huge armored body walking towards him with this demonic hound beside him. And Cald kind of walks forth and says, Grizzlemaw can smell fear. You already look beaded, Stormcast. Jackdos is kind of like, you know, undaunted, kind of arrogant. It's like, you know, it shall be your head, not my lord Hammerhands that adorns your Red Pyramid. Then I'll see it sundered into not the bone and ash, Kalf. Kalf's like, so you've come to save Vandal Blackfish from my blade, brave, yet misguided. You must realize, well, the prophecies are seldom wholly accurate. As of basically sensing what's about to take place, uh, the forces of form basically circle around and Cull and Jacko start dueling at each other. And so one... Time for Pyramid Rumble 20... Uh, what year is this? Pyramid Rumble. Rumble on the Pyramid Cage match. Let's do it. Corn's got his popcorn. Bucket of babies. He's ready to go. <laughs> He's like, this shit's gonna be good. Yeah, not popcorn chicken. Popcorn babies. Oh, yeah. The good <laughs> shit. But yeah, so one of the uh, leaders, uh, Neuros, uh, sees Jackdose starting to fight Call, And he's like, oh, shit. But he sees that Jackdose is winning. And hoping that the Lord Celestine wins the battle, he only wishes he could help. But they are circled 
uh, by the Corn Warriors, and they're not letting anyone into the fray. The Liberators and everything, they're battling away, trying to get in, but more or less, the strong guys are strong. They're around the pit, and Jackdos is just wailing away a call. Uh, he's smashing Call's uh, armor. He, at one point, knocks the Warlord to his knees. Call is actually in pain, and Jackdos is like, you cannot prevail. Sigmaru claimed the mortal realms from tyranny. And he's like, look around, Call. It's already over. And, you know, Call's followers are just watching. They could have overwhelmed Jackdos in moments, but you know, Call is just like, you do not come into my fight. Uh, it's probably, you know, like, this, this is a one-on-one -on -one match, right? Man wants to ascend to demonhood. You don't just, like, get in on the match. He'll kill you just as quickly as you'll try to kill him. Yeah, Call is just like, you're wrong. This is only just beyond, and starts swinging his axe, you know, pushing forward. Jackdos is flailing his hammer around and doing what he can to battle against Call. Uh, apparently, he's wielding a blade in one hand and hammer in the other. So, you know, do wielding cool Stormcast style. And, you know, the usual fight, fight words are happening. Your reckoning has come. It's not so easy to slay me now, is it? All that, you know, fun shit talking to each other. And then Jackdos knocks Call down. Uh, a bit and it kicks him away instead of ending his life by with a swift head like hammer to the head or blade to the head now clearly his arrogance is getting over because he had an advantage in that moment Jack just like see I prove your prophecy false warlord I've saved Vandis hammer hand and I've thwarted you and he goes to smash down his hammer and he calls his catch it by Jack just's hand and he snaps Jack just's wrist and throws away the hammer Jackdos tries to counter uh, Call's axe with his rune blade, but Call attacks almost demonically fast, kind of showing his side that he'd been, been essentially holding back, and cleaves uh, Jackdos' arm off. It's not even my final form, buddy. Yeah, essentially. And then Call basically then takes his axe and chops down at Jackdos. And we go back to the character Nero, and he sees Jackdos' head come flying off, and the body isn't taken away by lightning. Oh, Corgus Cole had a plan. He can get the skulls. Yep. Like, Neros cries out. And then he's like, all of a sudden his anguish then turns into an absolute dismay because he's like, wait, there's no lightning flash, no return to heavens, no resurrection for Jackdos. It's like, he's truly dead. And then we switch back to Call. Paul picks up uh, Jackdos' head and more or less just carries it back to his pyramid. And it's like, such arrogance. The Kerr expected to beat me. As Paul's walking up, he starts passing by the Gate of Wrath, and he sees basically the essence of Jackdos' soul being sucked into it. Damnation and horror are yours to endure for an eternity, he whispers as he's passing by the gate, and he starts climbing the Red Pyramid. Jeez. Yeah, and that's why Call was so confident he could get Mandus' head, or, you know, clearly any storm cast his head, because this giant gateway is just sucking up souls. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Like, he, yeah, that was my only thing. It was like, he doesn't have a plan. He's like, nope, I actually, in fact, have a plan, and I can keep the skulls. And Korn's up there like, oh, that one, that's pretty good, buddy. I've been, I've been pretty pissed about the fact that I can't get these skulls. So, yeah, we switch back to Bandis now, and Bandis is just fighting away. He's killing Korgoras, killing all these different uh, warriors, but they're starting to get a little overwhelmed, and he's like, oh, crap. And all of a sudden, Ionis shows up. Uh, coming from where the brass tower was. And he's like, hey, guy, how you doing? <laughs> I'm back. I'm back. 
Don't know why I switched that voice. Anyways, Ionis is just telling these warriors, thin the herd, forge me a path to Lord Vandis. And so he does. He gets closer to Vandis, but he starts hearing those voices again. Tithes of, I shall be given a soul or a soul. And he's just like kind of just saying to himself, you know, there's nothing for you here. I shall remember this. His soul or yours, Amanid. The tithe will be paid. It will be paid. And I just like just spits out, yes, but not this day. Today we fight. Okay, not that last bed. Can I remember it on Lord of the Rings there? Look, all I know is that somebody's screwing over Nagash, which makes me happy. <laughs> but yeah, so they're pushing forward. Vandis and Ionis kind of meet up. And Ionis is doing his Stormcast magic, kind of summoning up storms, doing what he can to fight off the Force of Corn, flashing lightning at them. But Ionis, as he's coming closer to Vandis, he realizes something that Vandis doesn't, because he sees Corvus walking up the pyramid. And he's like, Vandis, look, it's top the pyramid. And yeah, so Call is just climbing up. He's like, you know what? I have a head of one of the immortal warriors. I have what I need, something worthy of Korn. I don't need Mendel Blackfist's head. This is worthy enough. Yeah, I'm sure Korn is like, I totally accept substitutions in my rituals. Nah, just get any Stormcast head. It's fine, don't worry about it. As Hall said to Jackdos, you know, prophecies rarely are what they appear to be. You know, because he saw a head and everything, he just mm -hmm. assumed it was Vendel's head. Or Vandis' head. Ah, okay. But yeah, so Vandis sees this, and he's like, and he sees the head of Jackdos, and he's like, oh no, I need to stop him! And so he starts charging after him. So Vandis is charging up the Red Pyramid. Ionis blasts a bit of lightning at the side of the Red Pyramid, and you just see skulls fly off the side of the Red Pyramid and start burying, uh, burying some of the uh, blood-bound warriors below. Yeah. Yeah. And essentially, that uh, lightning was basically Ionis using magical Sigmar energies to transport Vandis to the pyramid almost instantaneously, and so that way he can get up to call really quickly. And Vandis, as he's there, he starts charging up the steps, and it's like, oh! Call is like almost at the top, and he is preparing to walk up the last couple of steps to place the head. All of a sudden, he hears his name being shouted out. He looks and he sees Vandis charging up. And it's like, you know, doing the whole rage thing at that moment. And it's like, Row! and he drops the head. He jumps up, raising his axe in the air, preparing for like a big downward strike. You know, fancy corn stuff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> And Ionis is kind of watching, doing what he can, and he's just like, Vandis, it's up to you. It's just you and him now. So, we switch back to Vandis. I said, we're bouncing around a lot here. Call is like, die, fool, as his axe is coming down. And Vandis doesn't kind of realize the momentum at first, but he tries to defend in the last moment. Unfortunately, the axe goes into the side of Canalax's steep. Thankfully, it doesn't kill Canalax, but it deeply wounds him. Call wrenches his, uh, his axe loose, and Vandis jumps off his beast and basically tries to fight Call with his hammer. And they're dueling away. And sorry, Call did not drop Jacko's head. He apparently kept it handy while he jumped up with his axe. And he's like swinging uh, the head of Jackdos into Vandis' face, blinding Vandis with blood. So, you know, some strategy on the Korn's part there. I mean, Korn's not doesn't have no strategy, it's just he hits you a lot. Mm hmm. And if you're not prepared for it, you're probably going to get screwed. And yeah, so, you know, Vandis is stumbling. He's doing what he can to defend him. And 
He's just like, no, I am the lightning. I am Sigmar Storm Manifest. And a lightning bolt comes around down to heaven and strikes down on the ground around them. And Vandis is like, okay, I know what I need to do. Call is swinging his axes, Vandis. Vandis, in that moment, leaps and he lands right by the base of the Gate of Wrath. And Call is like, you motherfucker. Or at least that's what I'm imagining what he's saying. And he jumps up doing his whole, I'm going to swing my axe down at you, jumping from the tower. Probably with tons of momentum would be like cleaving him from head to toe. Easy. Absolutely. Got big axe. Vandis gets up, stretches his arms out, and he's like, I am the lightning. I am Vandis Hammerhand. Lord Sigmar, strike thy servant now. And uh, like God lightning strikes from the sky. And it's specifically God lightning, so I imagine it's like huge ass lightning bolt strikes from the sky and blasting um, Vandis's body and causing like a wave of destruction. Breaking down the, the gate of wrath, blasting Call away, smashing the tower, sorry, not tower, the pyramid of skulls, basically making it so Call's plan fails absolutely. But he wasn't too happy about that. No. We switch <laughs> over to Ionis yet again. Ionis is like just starting to unshield his eye because this blast of light was so insane. And he's just seeing, seeing like steaming rock all around him, bodies of corn warriors everywhere. The gate is gone, the pyramid's gone, and he just sees Paul in the distance. Now the Stormcasts are like just cheering, Azir, Azir, and they continue on fighting the remaining Bloodbound. And that is the end of the book. Yeah, we did it, Stormcast win. No no Blood Pyramid today. (laughs) No. Alright, so before I get into my thoughts of the books, from you as a listener listening to the summary of it, what are your thoughts? I think it's pretty good. Um, I like I like anything with Corgus Call. I think he's a cool guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the like ending is pretty cool with um, with like using like having the um, calling down like um, God Lightning, <laughs> the God Lightning. Yeah, and I like that it raises the stakes for the Stormcast a little bit. Like there are ways to get around their reviving forever thing. Mm-hmm. I love our Chad Stormcast. What was his name again? I'm forgetting it. Uh, oh, uh, Jackdos. Jack does, yeah, the Chad Stormcast, as we will forever referring to him now. At least I will be. <laughs> I like him. I think he's really cool as, like, kind of a goob. Uh, yeah. is, does he come back after this book, or is he gone? No, gone? He, he's gone, gone. His soul no! was sucked into the realm of chaos. No! My ch- I get my Chad, and I lose him in the same day. Live, <laughs> gone from the books will live on forever in my heart. Yeah. Um, I love Nagash trying to be all edgy. We assume it's Nagash. We don't know for sure. Nagash is the only person who constantly complains about what he is owed. <laughs> like, I'm owed this. It's my right as skeleton god. It's like, nah, whatever, Nagash. Just get <laughs> out of here, you, you pizza. In general, like, I just, I really enjoyed this book uh, mm-hmm. and the summary of it. Um, mm-hmm. I will say, like, plot wise, it's definitely a little bit light compared to other stories that we've read. As cool as like it's it's a very action packed book, mm-hmm. and well that's cool. It basically just is one big battle from start to finish, really. Yeah, and uh, just that's where I'll get kind of to my little thoughts. Um, so I'm in two minds of it. So just like the first Realm Gate Wars book, Gate of Azir, it is a giant battle. Now the Gate of Azir is literally just a giant battle, other than the opening where we follow these uh, people who survive the mass slaughtering cannibalism of Akshi through all these years. And 
so we like in some ways it's a little bit more complex because we get them traveling actually a little bit and then we start seeing all the different stormcast bits i don't know i think the like so let me just double check something here the writer of the first book was chris wright and the writer of this one uh nick Kime. yeah the a little different styles. I think I prefer Chris's writing over Nick's. Um, mm. it's, I find there's a little, even though the story I think was simpler, it flowed a little better, especially coming towards the ending. Cause the ending jumps around a lot. Uh, here. Yeah. It's a little convoluted. It, that said, there's a lot of things I enjoyed. I do enjoy, you know, the stakes being raised for Stormcast. Now we get a little bit more of an idea. Like you're, this is your introduction to the, you know, the first book's like, okay, these guys are awesome. But what happens? And this one, we get a little more stakes of, no, when they die, they lose a bit of themselves. Yeah. The other thing that I question in regards to writing, um, this is me approaching it as a hobby writer myself, the opening, because we open with uh, Vandas being reforged. And I think that took away the stakes a little bit of everything. Vandas not sure what's going to happen, everything else. Like, we know he's going to survive. Well, so I think so. I think the reason that we open with the reforging process is because so we know that that they can be reforged. So we assume that nothing's going to happen, and then when the uh, is it Jandis doesn't get reforged Jactus. later, or Jactus doesn't get reforged later, then we've been like, wait, what the heck? That you told us that they come back. You told us they come back. Why you didn't come back? That's fair, and know, that's that's my my feelings on it. Yeah, and like we did have like. Uh, Jack is having the um, tank attack at one point where he's like, is this what we're doomed to? Like, are we all do- are going to be reforged or someone's going to die? Yada, yada. So we had a little bit of that. And so we kind of set up his death in that way. I said, yeah. like, I'm in two minds. There are some bits I really enjoyed. There are some bits I think that was a little weak in comparison to their first book. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, in the grand scheme of things, it is a good read. It is a simple read. But no, I find the early round gate book, war books, um, are simpler stories, and you'll find they get more complex as we go forward. Yeah, this definitely was not a, a does not a complex tale. No, I think especially once we get into the books that include Nurgle, not just because I love Nurgle, but they start uh, developing a lot more. Yeah, and we start seeing more than just Stormcast. You know, we start seeing, uh, diff- like different things like Sylvanet. Yeah, really not a Sylvanet fanboy. That's not how I'm approaching this. <laughs> no, everything I'm I'm always biased. Yeah. I will never come into a story non-biasedly. Uh, I will always be bringing my bias into it because I'm not an objective reader here. I'm here to talk about the lore that I like. So uh, it doesn't matter how cool anything Nagash ever does is. It is Nagash, and I don't like it automatically. Yeah. yeah. The other thing to remember in this book, it is basically you know the starting stage of Sigmar. They haven't really set up the lore too much. It. The universe they've set up at this point, which is fairly fleshed out, at this point wasn't fleshed out. They're still figuring out their stride. So, no, I do have to take everything with a pinch of salt with that. That, that, no, that's fair. Uh, Then it's, it's fine. Like, we just, simple isn't bad per se. It's just we need to, we have to keep things, we have, they have to keep things kind of basic at this point. Yeah. Because if they don't, they're going (coughs) to overcomplicate things before, um, before we really even get into like the, the the deeper lore stuff, absolutely, but yeah. All in all, good book. I I think in my opinion, it's one of the weaker ones, but 
you know, we get to some really interesting stuff soon. I think the next books, not for too much spoilers, but we're going to start delving into a little Zinchi stuff. All right. So Zinch is up next. <laughs> but before we get to that, we have some other things we have to talk about because we are now going to talk about Model Watch. So uh, today um, I wanted to introduce sort of a new segment we're going to do. And I've been thinking of a name, but I'm thinking we're going to call it Realm Rumors. Oh, um, hmm. Because we have, as, as we all know, Games Workshop loves to put out their rumor engine. Um, and we like to talk about the new models that come out. And I thought it would be really fun if we started talking about some of the rumor engines that come out around the time uh, our podcasts come out so that we can then later come back to them and see just how incorrect we all were uh, in our initial assessments. Sounds so, good. And for anyone who doesn't necessarily look in the Warhammer community website, what I will do, like I've done with all of our episodes, is I will include the image in our Facebook post. So go follow us on Facebook yeah. at Walker's AOS. I'm also planning to open up an Instagram for account. Haven't done that yet. We'll get there eventually. But yeah. where I'll include the images that we talk about, that way you have a frame of context. Yeah. So the image that we're looking at today, uh, it, uh, let me see, it was the one posted on uh, April uh, 27th, 2001. Mm -hmm. yep. um, what we see is a large sort of eye in the center of what, what is clearly some kind of a staff. So we very clearly, you know, we're starting off on an easy one. This is some kind of Zinch idol here. Uh, we can see near sort of the bottom, it tapers out and there's sort of a bolt and it moves into some sort of a darker material. So it looks like we've got a metallic piece attached to some other type of either darker metallic or wooden staff. I'm thinking, I'm thinking this is New Thousand Suns personally. Um, they're updating yep. a lot of chaos stuff. I am. I'm thinking it's a new Thousand Suns sorcerer of some kind. Um, just because I don't, I don't really see that sort of design on. Was it on uh, Zinch demons? Maybe I'm, I'm missing it, but like that sort of staff design feels very mortal to me. So it's either Thousand Suns or New Age of Sigmar uh, Zinch mortals. I would say. Well, the Zinch mortals are a bit thin, I'll send on. Like, they have the Aconite warriors, and they have the, um, yeah. whatchamacallit, the Zangors, which are mortals as much as I don't think they should be. So, yeah. I can see where you're coming from, though. Well, I mean, they just they just refreshed the entire Slaneshi line, right? True. So, I, I, I could see them uh, updating the... the um, uh, the Zinch line as well, because even though like in 40k technically Zinch has its his own army, it's still only really like a couple of units that are that are uniquely Zinch, and the rest is just like a special rules for the rest of the Thousand Sons. So like Zinch doesn't have a. I don't feel that Zinch has a, a really good amount of mortal selection in Age of Sigmar at the moment. So I feel like. Like this is either like uh, the relaunching the Zinch line, and this is like the um, sort of like our teaser, or it's just going to be a Thousand Suns 40k thing. Yeah. Well, looking, I'm looking at the Thousand Suns page right now, and yeah, seeing it, there it still isn't all that much in the way of Mortal Warriors on it. Like there are some, yeah. but not. Yeah. Too like many. we've got we've got the actual like um, rubric. We've got the rubric Marines. We've got Aramin. We have uh, we have Magnus, obviously. Mm -hmm. but uh, otherwise i think they're just 
uh, maybe I'm forgetting something, but for the rest of the mortals, um, we've got um, just like regular Chaos Space Marine stuff with uh, extra flavor for Thousand Sums. Yeah, which... so... Oh, go ahead, sorry. No, 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 that's it. So I was like, Zinch is probably the most uh, underrepresented Chaos God at the moment. Um, yeah. In, in terms of, of mortals, anyways. Yeah. Um, so, so even though they're all about the same. Yeah, so taking a look at um, their AOS page now, like, yeah, the mortals is very thin. It's just the... Uh, what are they called again? The... Zangors and the Karak Acolytes, really. And Zangors, there's a Zangors and Lightning. Um, that's about it. And I still don't think Zangors should be mortals, but I kind of get it. They're Gors. Um, yeah. And there's like one hero, the Cursling Izinch. Kind of looks like he would be a mortal, maybe. Yeah. Like it, like the model line for, 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 for friggin' mortals is so thin in 40k that they still use Zangors. <laughs> There's no other gores in 40k. I think there's some in the Blackstone Fortress. That's not necessarily true. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's like, a Zangor in Blackstone Fortress. Yeah. yeah, but like otherwise, it's all still, um, it's all still, um, the regular like the like, uh, demons really. So I feel like Zinch is uh, due for some love right now. And yeah. That, no, I, I was going to say, you know, I would really hate it if they got a new book before the Megakin and Nurgle, because Megakin and Nurgle book is old and you need three books to play the army fully. I do, And Zinch have a new book and it's really good. I do understand them updating their models. At least the Megakin have a very nicely fleshed out model line. So yeah. if they release a new book with new models, I'll be kind of begrudging against it, but understanding. I do think the Megakin, not just because I played Nurgle, but I do think they need a refresh because it is the pretty much the oldest book now um and yeah actually it is the oldest book now so it, and because you need three books to play fully and that's not even counting all the rules and everything yeah. it's still it needs a refresh it's even if it doesn't get new models it just needs a notebook give give grandpa some love but like again because i you know i play we both play nurgle like i agree with you wholeheartedly there but like uh more models is always nice so they'll never Absolutely. get complaints from 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 more models Absolutely. Um, but yeah, or, no, I agree. It's something Zinchy. It's like, there's no way that's not Zinch with that eye on it. Uh, the way how the staff curves around, I'm really interested in what it's going to look like. It'll be really neat. Just about the way to guess. Whether it's going to be Thousand Suns 40K or something yep. Mortals AOS. And as these things, uh, you know, as, as these come out, we will, we will come back to it and uh, talk about how wrong we are. Because that's Absolutely. a... <laughs> Watch it, some sort of Stormcast model, and we're like, damn it, we were both dumbasses somehow. Yeah, oh god, yeah. All right, so then we move into our normal model watch. So, yeah, what was your pick? Uh, so my pick that just happened a, a day or two ago, and for anyone who knows me, knows I love my Sylvanath, and I screamed in joy when I saw the black like shadowed image of it because I'm like, those are soul pots. I know those are soul pots. That is clearly a Sylvanath unit. And when the reveal happened and we saw the new Warsong Revenant, I'm like, wow. <laughs> like you've, yeah, I was in the Discord when he freaked out or the, the Facebook chat when he was freaking out about here comes the new Pied Piper. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I This model is gorgeous. I'm excited to paint it. 
A couple notes. One, the way it's designed is excellent. Um, It looks like it's going to be a fairly tall model from their video, like seeing it next to Dryads. It looks like it's going to be really nice and tall. I love the vines breaking out of the ground around him. And I love the fact he's lifted up. Um, The cloak is really cool. Um, Then we see the kind of normal tree remnant style body. Um, Only halfway, though, only legs are the wood. The rest of it is kind of the flesh of the tree remnant remnants which is a little unusual normally it's like only a quarter of their body is flesh but whatever yeah whatever he's got a little extra absolutely um the flute looks really cool i might end up getting two of these so the flute horn thing so what i might do is keep one like how it is and the other one i might saw down so it's just a flute without the horn to make it slightly different Mm -hmm. we'll see and yeah the i'm assuming the i'll just double check the video which i'm not going to do now i'm assuming the um would kind of antler things are coming from his shoulders that are holding up the uh, thing, holding up all the uh, oh, the spite eggs. I, I'm i very curious to see how that's all going to come forward, especially once I get the model in hand. Like I can look at pictures and videos all day long, but until I actually get in hand, it'll be interesting seeing how everything's held together. A um, couple little notes. It looks like for anyone who paints with contrast, especially the cloak will take contrast really well from the look of it. It has not lights. Lots of ridges on it. I see lots of different areas of definition. So anyone who loves contrast, I'm not one of them, but anyone who does should take that really nicely. Um, I am planning to have a lot of fun my airbrush. Now I'm getting really fine lines for some good transitions on the cloak. And yeah, I'm excited. I'm really curious to see what the rules are for it, especially because it's called a Warsong Revenant. And it says here that Warsong Revenants play a spirit song, which to power cause the land itself to come alive. Uh, two plus tough had a really cool theory that he might almost act in a way as a quote unquote portal of woods where he'll bring like the power ups the woods give uh, Sylvaneth wherever he, co- he goes in a little radius, which if true, that's really cool. That'd be pretty dope. Yeah, just given that was the words, I think he's going to be a buff piece for the Sylvaneth almost undoubtedly. Either he's going to revive them back with his song where he's going to increase their attacks, increase their. Um, to hit or wound rolls, something to like. Who knows? Or my big even... question is, what the heck is that skull he's standing on? Is that it was kind of so a creepy... video? It almost looked like a dragon skull, right? Mm-hmm. Looks like some kind of a dragon. Now give us the dragon that that skull belongs to, please. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to see what it does as a hobbyist. First, I'm even more excited to paint it. In the end, I'll probably will get two one. Depending on rules, um, probably we'll get two just so I can make them slightly different and therefore I can have two in the battlefield. Mm-hmm. But we'll see what happens. It looks really cool and I'm excited for it. Hi. All right. Tell so, me what you're looking at. All right. My choice is uh, the. Uh, there, unfortunately, there was not a lot of uh, Age of Sigmar stuff out. So my choice was the Battle Sister, uh, the new Battle Sister with the banner. Mm, yeah. uh, I love this model, but I also hate this model. The, Let me guess, uh, the haircut? Oh, that face is so, so bad. That looks like... I cannot believe that that got put out. That oh. hair, the hair, the face, it's oh. so bad. Yeah, I'm yeah. zooming in. Holy crap, what the hell? Yeah, it's bad. It's bad. And so... 
And here's the thing: they knew they clearly knew it was bad because they have like an alternate sculpt where the where the helmet for the faceplate mm-hmm. is open. Um, notice that they don't have any face on pictures of that because I've seen it. There's a there's a picture of it from that angle, and it's also really fucking bad. So the solution is buy this model and fucking grab another head from one of your other sister battle kits and stick it on there because yeah. that that solves every problem with this model. Because otherwise, this model is absolutely gorgeous. I would use that head for a base of some kind. I would take like a toothpick or something, impale the head on it, and use it as part of a basing scheme. Yeah. But I uh, absolutely do not like it. Um, I assume, I can't quite tell. I think that the picture on the banner is free-handed on, which... No, I, don't I see know. some ridges. I see some ridges on it. I see ridges on... I'm trying to look from like the other angles. I see ridges on the like upper like fleur de lis sort of things in the top right corners, but otherwise it it all looks very flat to me. Yeah, um, I I think I see some ridges, shadows, very slight. I would have to look at a rotating image, which we don't have right now. Um, yeah. A rotating image would be able to tell me for sure. Unfortunately, it is a just a static image, so it's hard. Because I'll because I'll be honest, I'm not a huge fan of the banners that are just flat. Um, I am not good enough with the freehand at this scale to really to really use anything on it. So there's been some banners that they've put out that have like the embossed images, and you just paint around it. I really like that, and I really hope that that's what's going on here. Um, I understand that some people really like to do their own freehand, but I feel like those people are also the people that will take the time to grind off the embossed image. So, yeah, um, 100%. I hope so. But yeah, I, I think this model is really good. I love the pose. I'm really liking the new sort of long coats they're giving to all their power armored, like cleric people. Mm-hmm. The only thing that I'm going to say is this pose is the same fucking pose that like the the way that the the they have the one leg forward, one leg behind the coat with the cloak dropping down. It has been used on a shit ton of their models with this outfit on, like nearly identically. Pull up your Judicar and look at the way his feet are posed. It's the exact same. Hmm. Like, and I'm like, yeah. okay, it's cool, but I'd like something a little bit different next time. They do recycle their poses once in a while. Like, I get it. You cannot. You don't have infinite poses, but that look cool. But in the end, you know, don't just use that template all the time. Come on. Yeah. Well, hey, you know what? There is another model I'm going to bring up. And this one doesn't just follow a template. It's something you forgot about in regards to AOS. Oh. Lork Croak. We haven't talked about him yet, even though he oh, was shown sh- the prior week. And no, we, we did actually talk about him slightly because I, uh, I was... Um... Well, you mentioned that fact you're collecting Seraphon because it, and I was surprised that you didn't bring him up. No, you know what it is too. And, and it, so for, for those wondering, like a lot of these models, like we, we, when we do these podcasts, they usually are filmed about a week before um, we actually like release them. And so we week didn't talk about, yeah. I didn't end up talking about Lord Croak because he was so far in the past that I was like, I was worried that he wouldn't be relevant to talk about, but you know what? We can talk about him anyways. Well, we've said before, you know what? It may not necessarily be new at the time of release, but it's new to us in some shape, way, shape, or form. So yeah, could be it. No, uh, I love yeah. Lord Croak. I love Zombie Grandpa up on <laughs> his on his friggin' uh, spinny dyad thing. Yeah, um, this is a great example of how to take an existing model and then amp it up to the new line. Like he was fine cast. He was a t- 
Like his model looked cool, but it was fine cast and fine cast is terrible. No ifs, and or buts. Um, and yeah, this is really neat. I love the way how they kind of circle them, the rings that they kind of introduced lightly with the, uh, their pyramid, the um, realm shaper engine. And yeah. kind of brought that forward into this, but it also is kind of neat because they almost seem to be trying to do away with flying bases, like the flying stands. Oh, and- I, I think that those are dead. We have seen a huge amount of flying models recently. All of them have like this, like like even look at look at the guy that we were talking about earlier. Your pick for the the Seraphon, uh, Sylvaneth guy. Uh-huh. He clearly is flying, and they're using his cloak and the vines to keep him up. Uh, the Void Dragon using his lightning. They, I think they are done with flight stands. I think we will never. I don't think we're ever going to see another flight stand again. No, um, and I'm grateful because I think they kind of look terrible in the grand scheme of things. Uh, oh yeah, though this looks so so cool. And doing little tricks like this makes it look so much more dynamic. So, exactly, it's just it's it's it makes it it makes it look like more interesting. And yeah. I understand from like a kit bashing perspective, it's probably a little bit more frustrating. But like, there's ways to deal with it. Like, well, no, going back to the pure model ages, people would literally take their models for a saw. Like in the end, kit bashers, you can do you. You will always have a way to kit bash. Yeah. So it just it definitely word. makes it a little bit harder now because these models, like. Lord Croak has some options. Uh, he's definitely going to be monopose. The guy that you looked at, he's going to have a couple of options probably, but he's definitely still a monopose model. Yeah. So like, it takes a little bit more effort to get these models posed the way that you want them. But we're changing out. So for me, as someone who's you know not super great on the building aspect, we're trading out flexibility for just like base quality being higher which Mm -hmm. all in all i think is a better trade-off because the kit bashers are gonna rip everything apart anyways yeah i watched a video from i think it was eons of battle and he talked about it like you know from the age of multi-pose to age of monopose kind of gw does a weird thing where you can slightly pose it ever so slightly so i think he called it like a hybrid but whatever um in the end we are getting way more detailed models out of it I've been finding yeah. models a little more fun to build and a little more clear most of the time. It depends yeah. on the kit. Also, the models fucking stick together nicely. Sorry, I'm like, I the multi-pose models sure are nice, but when you when you want to just like when I want to build a model and be done with building the model, and I'm sitting there holding this fucking arm that keeps sliding downwards because I don't have the little little snippy thing with the magnifying glass, and yeah. I'm like, this is annoying. Like Oh, I prefer I prefer model pose, but that's just me. Yeah, it like there is ups and downs both ways. I think I lean a little bit more towards uh, mono pose because it, when looking at the designer perspective, it gives them so much more range and being creative and just going nuts with it. Like, look at Croak. There's so much going on, and if it was a multi pose, there would be nowhere near as much going on. At least I don't think so. I'm not a model designer, but I don't think so. It's just wild to me that that model was released alongside that fucking sister of battle face. Like, oh my god, guys! Yes. Um, and like, <laughs> we have day. two different alternatives that you can build with Croak. We have one with just a single feather on his head, or the other one with his uh, helmet. I half kind of hope that this uh, kit is actually a dual build because if we look at some of the images, it looks like there's less detail going on. I don't know whether that's just editing to show off certain things. You 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 mean where the, with the feather that looks like there's less stuff behind him, right? Yeah. yeah. I I, I kind of hope that this is a dual build kilt where we will also be able to build slant or croak. 
just could slander all think, the podcasts. And I think you're probably right about that. Uh, uh, I, I could think... be openly wrong. Could be just editing tricks that they do to show off some of the details, but who knows? I mean, I think I think what you're looking at there is is well, I don't know because I feel like they'd have to. So the reason I, I I would only reason I would say that they might not let us build slant out of this kit is they want they don't want you to see this model and not see Lord Croak. So like that's true. The only way like like I can see like maybe they take off the, if you take off the rings or whatever it could be slant, but like this is too. Like yeah, because even with changing that head, he's still got the bandages on his arm. So, yeah, who knows? Yeah. Well, well, we'll have to wait and see. But I don't, I don't exactly know if it's gonna be, uh, if it's gonna be um, a two model kit. I don't. I, I personally don't think it's going to be. I think people will use it as the new slan kit. <laughs> if you want, hundred percent. Like if they go out about it, you know, use some green stuff or willing to uh, saw away at some of the parts, like to. Um, Take uh, oh, what's the word? Uh, uh, wow, I'm forgetting what the tool is called. But a little finding agent to uh, strip down the bandages on the arms to make it look like it's more plain. There are ways yeah. you can go about it. You, you know, Wenders will. There's a way. But yeah. uh, I mean, but, the big thing though is like, if if you could run a slant, why are you not just running Lord Croak? <laughs> He's just better. 100%. But. Uh, I think, yeah, I think that's that's the whole model watch there. Yeah. Oh, the one thing I'll kind of add with the whole it's just better uh, thing that you said, Croke is cleaning up the battlefields. Croke, Croak, whatever you want to call him. I've heard him both ways, whatever. Yeah. I'm going to call him Croak. Uh, currently in Age of Sigmar meta, he is the shit. Looking at the rules perspective, unless you want to do crazy FAQs, which they've done before, but unless you want to do that, it's really hard to fix it. They specifically said he's getting a new war scroll with this model. So I half wonder if they're like, okay, we, we done fucked up with him. Oh, he's getting nerfed, I think. Yeah, they're like, new and more powerful. Translation, different. He, he's getting a nerf because he is all the power right now. Unless they yeah. suddenly crank him up even more, which, okay. Like, they could uh, suddenly increase his points to, like, 600 rather than, like, 360. Maybe. I wonder if he's going to be, like, a giant, like... 800 point model or something like that like uh gore uh, gore trek or something and uh like yeah. the gash where they're like these guys can go in any army whatever don't even worry about it they're a billion points like who knows like he's on an 80 mil base so it's a good size base but oh yeah yeah so who knows i'm right. excited nonetheless <laughs> so i think that covers all of the models you wanted to talk about so i can talk about models more if we want but i think we should close out <laughs> yeah, I got stuff I gotta do today, and we've been at this for at Wait, least what? You have a life? Ah, oh, jeez, don't. No, I said I have things to do today. I didn't say I had a life. Don't get those mixed up. Don't ever <laughs> insinuate that again. <laughs> All, All right. right. Well, this anyway, was great, Greg. Oh, who's who's doing the closing? I thought I was doing the closing. We keep interrupting each other. Saying, doing this has been great. I wasn't doing your clothes. You did. Don't you dare compliment this. Don't you say <laughs> that this was great. Everybody who's here knows that it's garbage. So come back next week because it's your garbage. <laughs> I'm like, do we cut the part where I shit talk the, the the podcast that we are on? And the answer is no, that stays in. Oh, gosh. <laughs> All right, everybody. Well, thank you so much for coming out to Realm Walkers, an Age of Sigmar podcast. I've been your host, Greg. And again, this is 
Realm Walkers. Please uh, follow us on Facebook where we share little updates. We try to engage in conversation. We do little lore tidbits. And we also include all the images of the models we talk about in the show. Mm. Follow us there if you have any constructive criticism, compliments, whatever. Probably more constructive criticism because let's just face it, it's us. Um, send us an email at realmwalkersaos at gmail.com or comment or send us a direct message on Facebook. And I believe that's everything. Oh, uh, just one more shout out. Thank you for everyone who has been listening. We have been growing exponentially, uh, doing fantastic numbers. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you so and much. I hope somehow we're entertaining you because I thought we were just a giant fail cast. <laughs> Don't even worry about it. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Well, thank you so much. And by listening to us, you have become Realm Walkers too. Join us next time as we delve into the realms of Chaman and maybe some scheming of Zinch. I've been your secondary host, Carlin. Have a great night. Bye. Bye.